Hey, college basketball fans, you are listening to Mad About Hoops, week 13 of the college basketball season. Evil Bald Colin, it's been a while. It's good to see you, buddy. It was a wild week, and we're going to have another wild weekend coming up. Tim, yeah, it's it's always a wild week in college basketball, especially in this season. And <laughs> we're just about to enter February, and the, the big long stretch here coming up. And I don't have a whole lot of answers for you with what the season's going to turn out to be. That's what we love about this season is that we're just shooting from the hip every single week. Kind of the kind of the way you and I like to live our lives. So like you said, we're recording here the last day of January. January 31st, February is right around the corner. And then it's March. We're going to talk about all of it. Just sit tight. It's Mad About Hoops. Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He He hit it just inside of half court. Lane's on the other wing. Oh! 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 Septon in, Jerome! This is March Madness. Yes, it is so good to have all you guys and gals with us here for what's going to be probably a half an hour, 35 minute ride for this edition as we talk about what happened already this week and we set the table for a big college hoops feast. As uh, Evil Bald Column pointed out earlier, not a whole lot of Friday action. We had a big uh, Big East Friday game pretty week. last week. Yeah, but fr- Friday's not traditionally the big college basketball night. You got some, no, uh, but you some action. Have, you do typically have a headliner, though, that you can actually look to and say, hey, you know, when I get off of work, I'm not going out to the bars. I'm sitting home and watching a college basketball game. Friday night college hoops would be more fun, but I also think you look into some of the conversations that we've had you know, for football and how they're trying to infiltrate Friday night. Friday night is also a big classical high school night. Like that's sort of when I grew up in Virginia, it was Tuesdays and Fridays. What uh, what is is it? Is it Tuesdays here in central Ohio for the midweek game as well? Or Wednesday? You know, it, it obviously could have changed within the last time I've gone to a game and I haven't gone since I was in school, but it was. It was typically a midnight, like, non-conference type of game, and then you played maybe one or maybe two games in conference on the weekend. Really? It, it just really depend on— That must have been something specific to private because schools. Because Ohio—well— To just—no, I'm not saying that for is For my thing. sake, and for my school's sake, we always usually typically went further in the football tournament, the football playoffs, so we wouldn't start our season until later, I think, like, mid— Early, just on the edge of early to mid December, so mm-hmm. we're crunching in games almost. So they had to stick almost two games on a weekend at times because you kind of get into a sticky situation with winter break, and then sometimes teams won't play like official sure, league games. Sure. They'll play tournaments during then. Um, I don't think my experience is great to talk about for the majority of Ohio in terms of how a schedule works for high school basketball, but I think typically it's at least one midweek game and then one like a Friday or Saturday matchup. I definitely just outed myself and let everyone know that I have not yet been to a high school basketball game in uh, in my time here in Ohio, and, well, that's, and that's a disgrace. Don't be like me, everybody. Like, seriously, some of my fondest memories as a kid are going to high school basketball games. The spot that I grew up in in Northern Virginia it it would it would have been difficult for us to get to sure. 
you know, even I kind of look at my dad and say, like, why didn't we go to more George Mason games? Because my sister now works there and still with Northern Virginia traffic, that could have been maybe a 35 to 45 minute drive, maybe close to an hour from where we lived, still maybe 20 miles or so. But D.C. would have been tough. Like that was a special thing. Like if you're going in there on a weeknight, you gear up for that for a month or two. But high school hoops. You can get to it in five minutes or so, your local school. And I would go to not just the school that I was going to go to. Like when I'm talking when I was seven years old up until when I was going into high school as a student, my dad was taking me around uh, these schools called Woodbridge or Potomac or Garfield, Cardinal District Schools in Northern Virginia. If you've got any Northern Virginia listeners out there for Mad About Hoops, yeah, I'm one of those guys. But I should be doing that here in Ohio. I just... Life gets in the way, doing the radio show, that makes it tough. Being an evening radio host makes it tough to get to the games, but it's uh, it's something good to not overlook. High school hoops is where it all starts. It's the best. Well, I know our guy Zach Fleer would get on you for that because he's he the, would. He, he is would. the man for Central Ohio he high would. school basketball. But no, I mean, we have and so that, And you know what? You should follow him anyway, even yeah. if you're not listening from Ohio, because you never know. Some of the guys that he's covering in the state here might branch out. I mean, you've got a couple of North Carolina Tar Heels that were here, Sterling Manley and uh, Francis, right? So Jeremiah Francis, t- yeah. Take a look Jerome at those guys. Hunter over at Indiana. Mm-hmm. What's uh, what's his Twitter handle at two seventy hoops? Well, I for the believe highway, that's, the interstate. That, that's the actual that's the actual website that they run. That's their uh, handle. I don't know exactly okay. what his is, but um, no, you got a lot of really good teams this year, specifically in Central Ohio for high school basketball. Gehanna's always a pretty good program, and I mean, especially this year, the Pickerington schools are always very good. I think out in your neck of the woods, Hilliard Bradley has a pretty good program this year too. I did notice that Bradley was doing pretty well. I did notice that. I uh, followed their football a little bit the last couple of years, doing a better job of that, filling in on some high school play-by-play here. But yeah, you gotta you gotta stick with the high school basketball. But as we were talking about Friday and college college hoops, I've never noticed that being a heavy night, and I'm sure that plays a part. I did notice that, and I don't know if this is something traditional. Ivy leaguers would uh, have to get at us, and you can get us on uh, on our social media at mad about hoops same exact uh, handle as the podcast here so shoot us some stuff there and i i saw the ivy league is is pretty heavy on uh, this friday night you even got a harvard pen game which just the prestige of just hearing those two names just sort of just it almost throws up all over you <laughs> just harvard and pen and i i tell i told you i went to the palestra this year I got that done. I scratched that off the bucket list. Going to see a pen at the Palestra was a real treat. And had I known that there was a Big Ten basketball game in the gym earlier, and I, I, I feel like I'm on, I'm as on top of it as anybody, but I just didn't stumble onto anything that alerted me that that no. was a day where Penn State was going to play Iowa at the Palestra. So I, of course, found all about it when it was too late, finding out that there was a game earlier. And that one was more packed than the Ivy League game when I saw Penn and Princeton. And Princeton worked him. But I was just telling you a, a cool story. I got a voicemail, and I'm going to call the guy back. Some dude from the Penn ticket office called up, very friendly voicemail, just finding out that I, you know, traveled to the game. You got all this information on the ticket sites, and I, I may have bought it from their exact ticket office. I don't remember. And you just want to know about the experience, what brought me out to the palestra. I'll tell them. I mean, I think you know you have one of the most iconic gyms in America. Right. So that's why I came. Now, I'm kind of curious because it's not like they're hurting for attendance, especially being a smaller gym and with all its, you know, praise and you know glory behind it. It's not like they're hurting to get people in there. I think they just want the stories behind it. Yeah, that no, that you're ab- you're absolutely right, Colin. That's not a 
boy, we need to know like what's happening here. I think that's just a a service type of thing. You kind of you know when you're going to a nicer restaurant. I actually one of the nicer restaurants I've ever been to. I got a handwritten card from the waiter who served us. Have you ever gotten one of those before? No, and I'm kind of curious to how they went about doing that. <laughs> I think we filled something out. Okay, well that yeah. makes, that makes more sense. I, th- I think we filled something out at the table because it was like give it. They thoroughly wanted your feedback. Like you're you're paying that much money for a meal. They want to make sure that they are taking care of you as well as they can. I, as a consumer, appreciate things like that and a little bit of a step. It's not like I have to return the phone call. He got my voicemail and he left me a nice message. What I'll I've been meaning to call the guy back just to chat for five or ten minutes. Say, yeah, like that's uh, you got one of the cool. Don't change. Don't change anything. Mm-hmm. I don't think they need to. I mean, some people might call them and say their concessions need to improve or something like that. Keep it. Keep it a throwback basketball experience the way it's meant to be. I think that's what's cool about certain places like that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different things about it. It's it's doing that act of, you know, doing their due diligence, seeing what you think about the facility. But it's also being like a, I don't know the best phrase to use, but like a brand recognition or stick it in the back of your head like, hey, they're going out of their way to make sure you enjoyed your experience. Yes. They want you to come back. Yes. That's something that will get me back. Oh, because absolutely. There's other, I'd like to go to a game there with my son or with my dad, maybe with you one day. You... You like Hinkle so much. Did you? Did Which you I'm gonna go get a chance soon. to get back there this season. Well, I'm gonna go probably for the February 20 or 15th game versus Georgetown. Ooh, uh, I'm thinking of going to that. Hoyas, baby. It's like a mid Saturday game. I think Ohio State plays on Sunday, so it works out perfectly fine. Um, I'm gonna try to make sure I stop at I think it's exit 45 where the Hoosier gym is. I'm gonna make a stop there. Please do. And then right Please on the way do. to Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah. If you want to do the ultimate trip there. You would maybe spend a night at the Steve Alford All-American Inn, get your photo taken by the giant high top, which, true story, folks, if you're ever out there in the middle of the basketball-rich country in Indiana, the high top outside the Steve Alford All-American Inn off of, uh, it's one of the earlier exits, so I don't know if it goes above 40 or below. Well, actually, I think instead of like putting like the city or whatever the exit is, it just has the, the Steve Alford Inn. Is like the the exit sign. It, yeah, it's it's right it's right off the highway. It's only seven minutes north of I seventy. It's yeah. it's well posted. And for the Hoosier Gym too, which is Knightstown, Indiana. Yes, that's right. That's the that is the place where they filmed Hickory. Like that's Hickory's home gym. And I believe the with he- the gray you know wooden bleachers yeah. that are about ten feet up from the floor. I think the head coach. I forget what his name was. Gene Hackman. Yeah, I think he turned ninety today as of this recording. Jeans ninety? I think so. Something like that. The actor from the movie is what you're you're meaning, right? Coach Norman uh, Dale. I think I might have it mixed up. I do know Norman Dale, I believe. Or that's a that's a fiction. I, you're, I, you're saying I, the real coach I don't, I from it. Milan? That's the real school. I think that might be it. Okay. Okay. Something something regarding that or whatever around that movie, someone turned 90 today. That's we'll all get, I know. We'll, we'll check it up. We take one of our quick uh, breathers here, then we'll, we'll check that and get that right. You might be thinking of, yeah, the I think the Big O was on one of the teams. He was. I know the Big yeah, O was on right. one of the South Bend teams that Milan, the small school, beat on its way to the state championship. That's who Hickory is based off of. But, you know, Hickory played in the real Knightstown gym. 
And when that closed down and they built their bigger high school in that area, they did a marvelous job preserving that thing. So from the mid-80s, when they doctored it up to make it into Hickory's Gym, it is unchanged. It is, if you're a sports movie lover, if you if you love that movie, it is it's unbelievable. I can't imagine the Field of Dreams experience out in, in Dyersville, Iowa, topping it. Because I've heard that they've started to build up around that and actually commercialize it and get it set up for like baseball tournaments and stuff. This thing, unchanged. You will be blown away. Blown yeah, away. I almost had the opportunity to go to the Field of Dreams field and house and whatever. But when I was actually out there in Omaha, I went to the Ohio State game and visited a couple friends that went to Creighton and everything. That's still on the bucket list. But you Mine know, too. Yeah. You can't, yeah. you can't underestimate how... I don't know. Again, I've never been inside it. You have, but just the feeling of walking into those doors and thinking like, wow, you're in that moment right there. It's I'm telling you, like when you, the outside is so pretty too, of the Hoosier gym there. It's got like a sign out there with like a, a kid, like in his dad or something. It's a big, tall sign. It's like 10 feet tall and it's like made out of wood. It's painted really nicely. And you walk in and there's just a tiny little trophy room, like a lobby that has trophy cases and some TVs up in the corners that are playing the movie on a loop. And if the doors are open to the gym, which they usually always are, you can just feel the vibe right away. And you almost don't want to walk in there too soon. You want to sort of soak it in for five or ten minutes, look at the trophy cases, get a feel for, you know, this is where, you know, Gene Hackman might have been, the team might have been running through right here. And they have the locker room, and it's really the door that you can open in the part of the movie where Gene Hackman sort of cinches his tie and says, Welcome to Indiana basketball. And he opens that gray door, and then he's just in the madness, and the gym's there. The locker room is just how it was, and you can walk down and back up the steps and onto the court floor. But the ultimate basketball trip would be to hit that, go see a game at Butler or see a Pacers game, and then on the flip side, go see the Steve Steve Alford shoe. I'm not really saying you have to spend the night there. It might even be sort of a cockroach motel. <laughs> no offense to Steve Alford, but take offense I don't care it is a where's he coaching now I Nevada Nevada right the Wolfpack so they got that painted the right way but the Hall of Fame is there that's what you need to see that's right the yeah. Indiana Hall of Fame is in Newcastle right next to that Steve Alford All-America Inn so you absolutely have to see it all right we will take a quick breather and we got to hit on something it's actually Ohio State with what happened to one of their players just today actually or last night as we're recording here on January 31st, something that's going to massively affect Chris Holtman's team. But I think it's a national topic that sort of addresses an issue that's going on everywhere. And we're doing a better job as a society talking about it. So quick breather and more Mad About Hoops coming up. So we have the answer to that 90th birthday You're right. issue. It's actually Gene Hackman that turns 90, turned 90 on January 30th. Right? He's 90. That's he right. just turned 90. Yeah. This guy, Coach Norman Dale, Gene Hackman. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Okay? I get emotional every time I hear that locker room speech. I think that's just so good at, at every single level. If you've got kids that are playing sports, it's about attitude and effort, and sometimes you might get whipped by somebody. I mean, we, we can probably all remember being on one of those youth sports teams where you could tell that the team on the other side might have been cheating on the birth certificates or the places where the kids lived. It's, it's happened. It happens before. But, hey, it doesn't matter 
The winning and losing is not what matters in the end. It is the effort that you put forth and the attitude you're going to have coming out of that event, which is going to make you get better and make you, you know, have a better shot of achieving your dreams. That's why I, I love, love that speech by Hackman. I can't believe he's 90. Yeah, I, that speech and any other speech like that that I see in movies always takes me back to my 2013 state championship runner-up game that we played in up in Maslin and you know, it's it's one of those things where if you've at least played in a level of com- competitive competi- Com- competition, ah, competitive yeah. sports, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. You kind of resonate with what he said. Like it kind of, you've heard somewhat of that version spoken to you from a head coach. Yeah, so I'm, you relate pretty hard to it. There's nothing worse than the what the Hawks coach in Mighty Ducks, where he like literally, and that's so fake. Like he's literally yeah. telling the kids like it's not worth playing if you don't win or something, something ridiculous. Like he tells little Gordon Bombay, uh, if you miss this, if you miss this penalty shot. You're dead to me, just so you know. Like, it's not not give it your best shot, and hey, I'm going to love you no matter what. Just go out there and give it your best shot. Never heard anything That's, like that. Right. You, you shouldn't hear. There, you know, no, never say never, because there's people out there, and there's coaches out there that don't do it the right way, but I, I think the mo- most of them are, and they, they love their guys and try to instill confidence, and if you do fail, it's not, uh, oh, my God, what did you do right now? It's... How can you pick it up and, and get it done the next time yeah, and if get better? If you're a coach that's getting to the great moments like that or what's being portrayed in this movie, typically you know how to handle the situation and not pull the Mighty Ducks coach explanation there. Which, hey, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of transitioning we can do with the subject in DJ Carton, the sensational sure. freshman guard for Ohio State, because, look, the way, you know, it, being a great coach can seriously affect what a player's mental makeup is going to be. We probably, you and I probably remember as, at least I know, I had a, the one year I played organized football one year. And I never really talk about this, but I had one of these coaches that I, I firmly believe if it was 2019, 2020, parents would have gotten together and gotten this guy fired. Like I was scared to death of him and it was just, we're fifth graders, right? We're, 11 oh, year, 11 years old. First time I've ever playing football. You'd like to be excited and invigorated about the game. And he ran me out of there. And I couldn't wait to get back to basketball just because my dad usually was my my coach, like for my youth leagues, because he enjoyed doing that. So, you know, the kid all when it's not school ball, you get to be on on dad's team, whatnot, and play with some of your friends. But it's it's important. And I'm, Chris Holtman, I fully believe this is a guy that is that is fostering this kind of attitude on his team. And the fact that DJ Carton has to happens to be playing for him, I, I don't put any kind of two and two together. I actually am shocked by this. So if you don't know, DJ Carton, sensational looking player out of Iowa for Ohio State. And he's actually like a confident dude with swagger when he starts to play. And he's coming off of his best game where he poured in what was it 17 off the bench, six for eight? He spearheaded the offense. He was driving and kicking, yep. setting up his players, driving to the basket, had the tip in layup from under the backboard. He had the slam dunk at the end, and he had the head nod going. He kind of had that, oh, like you can't. He got his confidence back, which I thought was huge for this team. I'm actually blown away by seeing DJ Carton go in detail to his mental health struggles and say he's stepping away from the team. He's definitely not playing against Indiana this weekend, and who knows how long after that. And Chris Holtman, of course, says we love and support him, and he's very much a, a part of our program. 
Yeah, I think you typically don't see it coming. And I think my greatest comparison to that is when Kevin Love came out with it. I never really saw that coming with him and his mental issues. You had no clue that he would have been. Never. Right. Never. Not at all. Like I didn't about DJ. It, what's the what's that tell you? It just tells you. I, I think it's the old cliche you hear about. You know, you never really know what someone's going through until they actually share it with you. And I think each and every single one of us has, if not many moments, or just a singular moment where that's been the case, and others don't know about it. So at least you always have to have that perspective in the back of your head that you know something could always be up. You just need to have that respect for the person and. Of course, you need to have the respect for DJ in this this situation. Hope he gets what he needs in this process to make sure he progresses at the rate that he wants to. But yeah, I would say 100% surprising to see this. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I mean, I'm I'm sad for for DJ. Like I feel I feel sad that he's going through things, sure. and I also feel sad that maybe he was a little standoffish on. Maybe this has been bothering him all year. You know, maybe this is something that started bothering him from the start, and he felt like uh, that that would be being a bad teammate. And he actually he put something in his statement about how I wasn't doing my teammates justice by sticking around, which again is still so shocking because he just came out with one of his better performances. But that what does that prove? What does that tell you? That basketball is just a small part of your life. It could be yep. nothing related to basketball. My my hope, my hope, and I'm I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. I I'm just some. If my hope is that he finds enough love and joy in the game, that maybe coming back to play is going to be something that he'll find helps him in whatever else that he's dealing with. I But I don't know. It's not my place to go sit and judge a guy on that. No. I just want people to get the help that they need and to be able to take the time that they need without criticism when it's, it's areas like this. And you know, it's always touchy because people are such diehard fans and for Ohio state's basketball season, it's right on the fringe still of falling off that cliff at 13 and seven. And DJ just popped his head up to be maybe at least for me, I've been calling him one of the saviors of this team this year that they cannot maximize and reach their peak. If it's not on DJ Carton's shoulders, so that's a lot of pressure. I don't know if he felt pressure from the outside or anything, and that leads into it, but I'd feel really bad if, if that was part of it. Yeah, I, I never like to go picking and looking for what could be the root of someone's you know, current mental situation, but I, I do know putting myself in the place of like, we've all, you and I both have gone to college, and I know you went th- further away than I did, and I, I know being a freshman on a big university, one of the t- top five, top two biggest universities in the nation, it can be a lot. And it's it's a different world here in Columbus than it is in Bettendorf, Iowa. I, I just it's think- It's a big city university it's, town. It's huge. Yeah. It's a, such a huge adjustment. And we're still, I mean, he's only five, six months into the adjustment. I know personally for myself and for friends around me when we were freshmen, it took some time to get used to. It took some adjustments and it, it put people outside their comfort zones. So I don't, again, I don't want to get to the root of it, but I can understand and I do sympathize with freshmen once they get into the sport of how they adjust to college life. Because it's not just with mental health issues. It's not just with, 
you know, getting comfortable in your own skin in a new environment. There's just so many different layers as a new person to a big university that can come into play. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'll, I'll play this for you because this was the basketball part of it yesterday before we had any idea that, that this was going on with DJ Carton. DJ actually was up at the podium, too, last week Pretty for recently, the team. Yeah. And I thought he was tremendous. I thought he was so well-spoken. He spoke like a leader. He talked about all the issues that the team was going through. And he talked about mental things that the team was struggling with as far as their their passion for the game and their connectivity with each other. But Chris Holtman, I mean, you know that you know that the coaching staff and, and, and guys on the team believe in him. So I hope, I, again, I just hope that it didn't stem from something there within the team. Holtman was talking about what they've been seeing out of DJ Carton lately just yesterday game slowing down for him I think in a lot of ways as it does I think he's understanding more of what you can and can't do at this level which is always going to be a learning process uh, we've not always had him initiating offense which takes a little bit of load off him we've tried to do some things where he's not always initiating it so he's not initiating it and potentially getting it back but I think more than anything it's kind of slowed down for him I thought that was a great way that that he put it. It's it's maybe not so much something you can just put your finger right on, but he just looked like he was getting a, a different level of comfort, which is why it's it is so shocking. In which you know it tells you it could be anything. It's just a. I, I think Colin, I, what I've enjoyed about you know, I, I 2020, you know, being where we are, like in time, you live. I'm 36 years old, so I, I went to college. I remember my childhood. You get perspective through the years, and you you start to notice the changes of the wind and just how times change and how attitudes change. And I think the more and more, you know, of my generation, and maybe even if we consider ourselves different generations, yeah, it's, we're about it's pretty close. Ten years separated. It's pretty close. You know, millennials. You know, Gen X. Whatever. It just feels like people are more open, and I enjoy that. And it's just a reminder to let's get further and further away from the riding people and the hazing type of society that was in the past, especially when it's sports-related. Got no and problem with the that. The fraternity-type stuff where, yep. oh, you just have to give someone such a hard time and just beat people to death you know, mentally and emotionally and see how much people can stand. It's like our grandfathers. Maybe you have a grandfather that's very open-minded, and I'm sorry that you do, but it's like you would never see someone sign off on a leave your team because you're not feeling right in the head, right? You would never feel that way. But as I've uh, I've talked a lot about this with my dad recently just because of some personal things he's going through with his father and how they're getting old, and it's just been it's been a really emotional, draining time for him. And he's talked to me about how he felt that way in the past when he when he was younger, how he just never really thought that he could go and see a therapist and something like that. And it's just like, hey, man, like I've I've thought about it. There might there might be a day where I think I need to see somebody every single week. But you know, I, I thank God that I, d I just don't feel like I need that right now because things are going well. But I urge him to, to do it like do it, man. Like see what your insurance takes care of and. Go everybody like go get the get there are people that you can talk to. There's friends that you have that actually want to listen to you and go and get the help that you need. Yeah, I, I, I co-sign that. Get the help that you need. Go do whatever you need to do. This is such a bigger issue than basketball. And I, I like I said, I don't want to speculate on when he comes back and whatnot, but you just hope he finds what he needs. Yeah, you do. So 
there's that for this episode, for this uh, section of the podcast. We will, since we're a College Hoops podcast, finish it up with some basketball. We'll uh, look at the week that just happened and give you our top five games to watch for the weekend coming up. Quick breather, more Mad About Hoops in just a second. How many times on the top of your hand or the top of your mind can you count back-to-back weeks of sleepy games or a sleepy slate? Because I'm telling you what, last week didn't really sleepy for you. It didn't impress me a lot last week, and this week uh, it doesn't have the firepower. It doesn't have the juice. It has some decent matchups, but nothing I'm calling like a like a a top 15 matchup of just dominant teams that are going to take each other to the wire. Yeah, well, we'll go through that. There's not but uh, one or two matchups where both teams are ranked. I think there's one. It's just the one. It's just the one. But take a look at the week that was. Uh, My observations from everything that happened, you know, the last time we did this podcast, maybe some of the Blue Bloods are finally beginning to take shape. Like, take Villanova, who got their butts beat by Ohio State right here in Columbus earlier in the year. They are mowing teams down right now. We thought that the Big East would be one heck of a race, and I wasn't sure that Villanova would be the team to win that league right now. And Seton Hall is still 8-0. So the Pirates are still a big deal, and they've got a big game against Xavier. Uh, It's tomorrow morning, by the way. We're recording on January 31st. They play an 11 a.m. game. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Usually you might see a central time zone 11 a.m. game because they want it to be at noon for Eastern time for TV, but that's in Jersey and they're playing at 11 a.m. But Villanova, they've been beating teams left and right. I think it's uh, like seven game win streak right now that they're on. They lost once in the conference at Marquette 71 to 60, but it was a bunch of wins before that loss. And it's been a bunch of wins after that loss. Kansas too, for me, CB, they just keep, yeah. they just keep beating team after team. Duke is just beating team after team. I noticed that Florida State lost to Virginia, which tells you that I never thought that Florida State was some team anyway, even though I picked them in my final four. I wasn't gung-ho about the, oh, they're just marching towards a national championship. They have to have the ball bounce a certain way for them to just keep winning and winning and winning and winning. Virginia was favored in that game. Yeah, how about that? that? By like a couple points, right? Although, can we... Real quick, go, go to Marquette. They're not a marquee name right now, but can we finally sit down and have a discussion on if Marcus Howard is really that beneficial to his team or not? I've always because wondered that about I well did score the, or just teams that have one guy, you know, that you that, where there's only one guy that you think about. I always wonder, would you like to have Marcus Howard if you're any team in the country? Sure. Yeah, you'd probably like to add him to any team in the country, but. I guess continue with your point. Well, I, I mean, I just watched that Butler Marquette game last Friday night, and it, it went to overtime. And Marcus Howard started hot in that game. I mean, he got off to a blistery hot start. But it's like down the stretch of games, he'll just once he crosses half court, he'll just throw it up there. And it's like two minutes left, he's throwing a bad shot up because he's such a volume shooter. And more often times than not, he does make those long, outrageous shots. He's so confident in it, he'll take it and shoot his team right off, out of an opportunity. I couldn't count how many times he did that in that Butler game and really helped a team that was without Aaron Thompson, their point guard, and Butler, who was shorthanded in quite a few different spots and when they needed him most, 
and they just kind of bailed out Butler many times. And I've seen that multiple times over the career of Marcus Howard. Most notably, I mean, just the way they got shown up by Murray State in the NCAA tournament. And he was just nowhere to be found. Yeah, that's the problem. When you have a player like that and so much is going to be expected of you every single game. I mean, when you're a volume shooter like that, you can't shoot 50% every time out. You can't. And it's tough. It's tough to hit 30, too. And he even, he limped his way to 26 in that game. And you'd say, wow, 26 points. That's incredible for a college basketball player. He was eight for 27. And to your point, 17 in the first half of that 26. He shot 18 threes. He was four for 18. And it's like you said, you probably could do a deep dive of Marquette basketball through the years. And I'm sure Wojo, these games stick out like a sore thumb, like of which games it did actually hurt us because He's he is that guy. You know when you have a dog like that, you got a dog. They're they have a green light. It's you know, you weird. have to live with that. Like it hurts you against Butler, it hurt them against Wisconsin, but then it He's won a ton of games too. Against Villanova. Yeah. Like I you just kind of have to roll it. with them, right? You, 100%. you just kind of have to roll with them. 100%. He's the leading scorer in America. And again, like we'd love to have him. Marcus, we would have loved to have you. <laughs> right. Scoring 28 a game for the Buckeyes, you know? Um, but you also talked about Kansas there real quick and I remember we had Brian on last week, and he mentioned Marcus's How- Marcus Howard's name in the National Player of the Year conversation. I personally only see it because of the points per game he's putting up. I get it. You're looking at Dotson, though. But Dotson, man, that's my front yeah. runner, and I he's love awesome. him to death. He's awesome. They, not to sound homerish here, but they just, they seem like they've got everything that you would want. Oh, my gosh. I yeah. mean, right? I mean, Look they up have and the, down the list of the names. The, the, but Buki, you know, as a Buki, He's a problem because he can't shoot from the stripe. That's going to be a continued True. problem as long as he plays. But you, he goes and gets 18 and 11 against Tennessee, and he's 6 for 7. I mean, I, I haven't looked to see what his field goal percentage is at last glance, but remember for a while it was over 80. I mean, an 80 oh, I was going to say like 75. You yeah. imagine like Caleb Wesson here at Ohio State, like that's – that's what it looks like, dominating in the paint right now. And you don't think there's bodies coming up on Azabuki? I mean, he's he's bigger. Like, he's more fierce than a Caleb Wesson and just a bigger, stronger athlete. 6'11 but guy, right? You look at them, what you can yeah. get from Moss on some nights, the transfer, and Dotson and Abaji. I mean, Ochai Abaji, he is just such an athletic perimeter guard that can do a lot of things for you. They, they're probably the biggest problem in college basketball, especially also with the experience that they have. Is it amazing? And I, I always look back in retrospect to that final in Maui, but we kind of just thought about it as a team that one team that's going to be, be the championship game. One team hey. is going to be there late, and another's like a <laughs> mid-major that you really don't know for sure if they're real or not, or they're just getting the Maui bump. No, these are two legit top five teams that played in that final. Hey, it's ridiculous. Props to Dayton. We cannot finish a podcast without <laughs> spending a good minute on Dayton. By the way, oh man. I'm gonna have to cue. I'm gonna have to cue it up. Like when you're making your next point, because I, I I watched it again and again on the internet. We had a, talk about the putback jam. We had a semi Ojale dunk of the week. Yeah. we certainly did. And he's done some windmills this year. But that putback dunk from Obi Toppin. Look, they had to go out on the road against good top quality A10 opponents. We actually had a big fight about the A10 conference in the office this week, where you were pointing at the West Coast Conference, and I'm I'm just carrying the torch for the A10 as the best mid major 
true and honest mid-major conference where you would agree I think what that hurts is the mid-majors are down this year. Yeah, I think but across the board, you would agree that every team in the A10 is a mid-major and they all qualify. Yes. Like West Coast Conference, you have Gonzaga now, so there's like a there's an iffy one on if they even are that right. team anymore and they own that league. But beating Richmond on the road, 87-79, beating Duquesne on the road. Gritting that one out, 73-69. Two huge wins, 19-2, and and we knew they had to keep doing this. They might not be able to afford a loss in their league, or it will affect them a seed line. Dayton is still alive for a one. They're still alive. I love to see it. I know tons of Dayton fans that always, and they're going to get nervous once that conference tournament comes around because historically they don't do very well in that, and they usually get upset pretty early. I mean, if you're talking if something like that happens with this team, the way that they could fall on the seed lines could be astronomical. But I don't see it happening. I, I think this is a team that's very well set up, especially with how favorable their conference slate in the regular season sets up. If memory serves me, they do get a return game to VCU, but I don't think they go on the road to like a Davidson. Um, they do have one more game against Duquesne. But besides that, they pretty much got everything tough about their schedule out of the way early. Yep. The uh, did you mention? I was I was I was trying to search for the dunk while you were talking. Did you mention Rhode Island on the road? Second yeah, to last game. I don't know what to make of Rhode Island. Actually, funny. Still st- tough though to try to stat. finish it up because they'll be so late in the process. A lot of pressure will be on them to, to seal the deal if they're still if they still haven't lost in the league at that point. I don't know if he's actually playing a lot, but Toppin's brother plays for Rhode Island. Oh, there he go. There, there you go. Like, I don't know. Again, even he's if a, he's not playing, he's that's, freshman, that's there. That's yeah. the thing. Let me let me see if I got this for us. There's always an extra yeah. pass with Dayton. What a take. Crutcher. semi dunk of the week. Foster the drive. Outside Milton. I'm really upset that... Uh, and it's realistic. I can't get on those Radio Row interviews, but they actually had Kevin Harlan late. Carpenter and Rothman did late in the uh, week for Radio Row, and I would love to have asked him what was it like in the moment to call that dunk by Semi Ojale. That was him. That was him. Yes. Colin's talking about one of our local shows here on uh, 97.1 The Fan in Columbus where uh, the dudes were down at Radio Row at the Super Bowl this week, so they were getting all all set up for that. So it is a fun weekend. I mean, just as sports fans, we got our college basketball games that we're watching, and then we're going to finish it off with Super Bowl 54 with the Niners and the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, quick set the table for the weekend. Top five games. The one game that features two ranked teams, that's going to be in there for sure. So you got to be paying attention in the SEC as uh, Kentucky is one of those teams. Also, another blue blood there that seems to be hitting its stride and playing some great basketball. On the road at once undefeated Auburn, that's a 13 versus 17. Six o'clock on Saturday night, that's in there for me for sure. I'm even, you got to put the undefeated team in now. Number four, San Diego State, 22 and 0, hosting a, a squad that we had on the mid major watch. They were the so mid major flavor man. a lot. Utah State, so disappointing. still a game to watch, though. 10 o'clock Saturday night, the Aggies at the Aztecs. So pay attention to that one. That's two. I'm throwing Duke and Syracuse, 8 o'clock. Anytime it's Jimmy B and Coach K, both these guys still emotional, loving Kobe Bryant so much and being a a coach of Kobe Bryant's on for USA basketball for so many cycles, you know, that's going to be a big deal when uh, those two guys meet up again. How about 
Sunday. You got a Sunday one o'clock special with the first place team in the Big Ten, Illinois, on the road at Iowa. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's going to be a fun one. Illinois is rolling. Iowa just lost for the first time in a, in a while when they lost to Maryland. So you got 16 and 5, 15 and 6. And Illinois sort of like trying to, you know, run away, not run away because Michigan State's still there at 8 and 2, but they're neck and neck with Michigan State in the Big Ten. Identical records, 16 and 5, 8 and 2. No, they were definitely a sneaky team in the Big Ten. A lot of people thought going into the season with DeSumo and Coburn. Yeah, they're and, both great. I mean, just got to give it up to Brad Underwood of what he's done at Illinois because he did it previously at Stephen F. Austin. Didn't get enough time to do it at Oklahoma State, but just the way he can build a program back up, he's already shown it within his years of these major programs that he can do it immediately. So that's four. Let's get let's each give our own vote for what finishes at the top five. Top five games you got to watch if you're a college hoops fan this weekend. Did you say Kansas Texas Tech? I didn't go with that one. There was another one I'm going to go with. It's in one of those. It's in that conference, that mid-major conference that you were fighting for, yelling at me this week, saying it's much better than the A10, which you're you're full of it. You're full uh, no, of it. No, I think it's deeper. I think the top is better. I don't think so. Mark. It's the, the A10 is such a bigger league anyway, just in teams well, than the West Coast. That, that is true. It's the Zags at the Dons. You were. You were puffing your chest out for the Dons. You were using them in your argument as why that league's yeah, better. I like true them, road game, San Francisco, four o'clock tomorrow. I just think Gonzaga's too good. But Gonzaga has been dealing with a lot of injury issues. Uh, the game on the road at Santa Clara that happened last night, January 30th, uh, Killing Tilly was carried off the court with an ankle injury. I don't know how severe it is, but that's something you got to watch even going into March with this team. Gonzaga's a team that can be a one or two seed in that range, and just, you know, they have this history of injuries with this team specifically. It could be detrimental to them later on. You taking the Kansas game then? I probably will because okay. I, I think Texas, Texas Tech is better than their 13-7. and seven, And obviously their win on a neutral site against Louisville is going to hold up pretty well. Kansas is done losing at the Fieldhouse. I'm just telling you. Uh, I do they're, think so too. They're done losing at the Fieldhouse well, this Sylvia year. Sylvia D'Souza is going to hurt, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> it didn't matter if he was there. It doesn't matter that he he's was gone. He only averaging like yeah. two points oh, a game. Yeah, that's just, it was an ugly, embarrassing thing for college hoops. But he is he's not somebody that matters for that team. And he's... His days of mattering for that team are are gone now. Probably. All right, we got to run. Everybody, eat well. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We love that too. Who doesn't? That's what ends this whole thing. That you notice the sport of college hoops really makes sure everything is done going into it, so that can have its day in American culture. And that's smart that they do it that way. They have their day, and then after that, it's full-on basketball from there on out. It is. It really turns the page, and everybody everybody jumps aboard, and we are steamrolling towards March Madness. All right, next time we see you, we'll be in February. Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll see you next time. Mad About Hoops.